Welcome to the Draft Deeper Podcast. This is your host, Nathan Grubel. Joining me, as always, is my producer, Kevin Black. Kevin, the week in sports we just witnessed was unbelievable between the continued craziness of the NBA playoffs, everything going on in football and baseball. It's a great time to be a sports fan, man. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I mean, we can't even ignore hockey either. It's been great over there, too. I'm happy the Heat are looking good. We got a game tonight. Hoping we win that. Yeah, and, and we're recording this uh, on Wednesday, September 23rd, the night of, and, and there is, if you're listening to this podcast when it comes out, we will have already had uh, Boston and Miami, um, their next game in the series here, so we'll see if the Heat could take a commanding 3-1 lead or if Boston's going to come back and even it up 2-2, two two. but either way, I can't wait to see what happens finishing out that series. I can't wait to see what happens as far as the Lakers and the Nuggets are concerned. Well, we'll see if Denver can come back, maybe force a game seven there. But all around, exciting weekend of sports that we just had. Another great week ahead. Um, but on today's show, what we're here for, we have another special guest. So Stone Hansen is a draft contributor for DraftSite. And he's going to be on here to talk about another section of the 2020 uh, NBA Big Board here for Draft Deeper. Um, Stone, you ready to dive in, my friend? Absolutely. Can't wait to get into it. So first up for discussion today is Malachi Flynn. Now we're going over 21 through 25 on the big board and he's up first number 21 here. So when I look at Flynn listed at 6'2", 185, probably closer to six foot than, than some people would care to admit. I really want to have him higher on my board, but his, his lack of size and elite burst and separation ability are really the only factors that, that keep him this low. IQ wise, I'm convinced there's little that he doesn't see on the court offensively. Evaluate Flynn and play types that are heavily used in the NBA, be it high pick and roll, dribble handoffs, isolation sets that uh, go into deep jumpers. He, he excels in all of them. As a matter of fact, his jumper is probably what would appear to be his greatest strength as he's consistent and pure from the mid-range as much as he is from behind the arc. But the way that he can also probe the defense, find those angles to get around defenders and create a completely different shot, than what the D thought he was going to take. Um, that That's next-level NBA point guard stuff, man. There, there isn't a pass he can't make. He'll whip the cross-court corner look for the easy three. He'll thread the needle in the pick and roll, hit a cutter perfectly in the pocket to get an easy look at the basket. And, and again, if he has that right angle to drive to the basket where the D isn't paying attention, he'll take it, right? It's not as though he can't, fin he can't finish well enough around the basket. It just takes a little setting up. But... If, if he's a prime, primarily a mid-range um, and three-point shot creator and a facilitator, trust me, there's a home for him in a good team's rotation. Uh, I personally see him as a spot starter in the league, but definitely a high-level backup as his floor at, at this point of the draft. I mean, I'm perfectly comfortable with, with having a sure thing who's mature, professional, going to come in and play the game the right way from a mental standpoint at this point here in the draft. He's at least competitive on defense, and he doesn't back down from his matchup. So I can't completely fault him there. But, I mean, how many backup or, or spot starter point guards are really going to have high defensive marks, right? At this point, um, the, a lot of point guards in general in the NBA, they aren't exactly locked out defenders um, like a Patrick Beverly, for example. So, uh, again, as long as he's competitive, he kind of brings that spirit at the point of attack, and he sets the tone for everyone else on defense. I mean, that, that to me, that's the biggest thing that I want to look for. So, Stone, when you break down everything that I just did regarding Flynn, do you see an outcome for him that's any higher than what I have his ceiling as? And, and where do you think it's fair to take him in this draft class? 
Um, I think I think the ceiling that you mentioned is probably fair. Uh, it's probably about where I would say his ultimate ceiling is. A guy who can play start minutes um, or spot up minutes as a starter. A uh, guy who's probably most likely outcome is a fairly high level backup guard. Um, on my board personally, I think I have him somewhere in the 35 to 40 range. Okay. But I think you can make a pretty solid case to take him uh, late first, early second, which is most likely where I think he will go. Um, the the concerns defensively, um, obviously it's not as crucial at the point guard position. Uh, probably limited to um, one position defensively, which is point guard. Um, but I think, as you mentioned, his passing and everything offensively is really encouraging to see. Um, I do worry about uh, replaceability as a backup point guard. It's just something that um, I don't value as much in the draft because especially in this draft, as we all know, there's so many point guards that some will slip through the cracks um, and it's really impossible to gauge who at this point that will be. But um, I think that uh, there's other guys within that range I would probably rather take a shot on just because um, positional uh, – need for that is is pretty replaceable you can always find a guy pretty cheap on the open market but um offensively he really does bring a lot uh, as an older guard he's 22 but he brings a lot of that experience with him um someone that a lot of playoff teams would love to have a guy who can just run the second unit efficiently um make those easy reads great in the pick and roll um and i think that uh, someone will probably take a look at him really hard in the first round. Um, and I think it's probably a strong possibility he goes within that range. Yeah. I mean, and you're, you're seeing that a lot with, with the Lakers right now in the playoffs. I mean, having Rondo come off the bench, uh, be able to run with that second unit, run some of those similar pick and roll sets and, and certainly be, be at the head of the chess match there in terms of getting everyone orchestrated and together in that second unit, that that's a valuable piece to have at that point guard spot. And I, I guess you, you make a great point in terms of being able to find sort of like a, I, I don't want to classify somebody as this necessarily, but for lack of a better term, your quote unquote bargain bin guy to, to kind of have to, to bring in and, and run that second unit. If you're a veteran team, um, a, a surefire contender like the Lakers. Yeah. You might be able to find somebody like that and convince um, a more high profile name to come in. But if you're like one of those fringe contenders, who wants to make a deep run in the playoffs, then then in my opinion, I think using a draft pick on somebody like that, if you don't have uh, a secondary point guard, a third ball handler in place, I think that actually makes a lot of sense. And I think certainly somebody's going to value Flynn in, in that way. Uh, before we move off of Flintstone, just as kind of like a general question for you in terms of like scouting and, and draft philosophy. So you're talking about replaceability at that spot. Do you need a point guard to be a surefire starter for you personally to give him a first round grade and consider taking him um, in the first round? Or do you see somebody who you consider like a spot or a fringe starter as, as like a second round grade and you're not moving him into that first round? Um, I think it kind of does vary a little bit class to class for me because with this particular class, it's so guard saturated that, um, I think that I tend to move some guys in this class to play the guard position a little further down my board just because it's um sure there's more rarity for other archetypes. 
Um, but I wouldn't necessarily say guys that are, are fringe starters. I, most of the time, I would say I actually have them in the first round because it's pretty good value if you can find that late in the first. Um, so I think it comes down to just more archetype need. Um, and for me, Malachi Flynn brings a lot of really good qualities to a team, and I definitely wouldn't hesitate to um, take him uh, in the first if if my team did need that, such as the Lakers or something like that, and I would definitely give him a look. But I think that uh, there's just other other archetypes and a pure talent vacuum sense that I would look at ahead of him. Sure. And and kind of like my, my last main point on Flynn is I don't necessarily see him as a, a full-time backup for his career. I think there's absolutely a chance that, that he could be the, a starter, certainly down the line in, in the right situation. Like I know, I know we talk about um, Fred Van Vliet a lot, what, what he's done in Toronto. And I know he's playing next to another point guard in Lowry and, and Van Vliet is certainly um, a better defender than Flynn, at least from from a size and a physical standpoint, I mean he he's a bulky guy, right? He he has that compact build. He he's not going to be pushed around by a lot of guys, no matter whether he's guarding the one or the two. And and I know you mentioned that Flynn is kind of pigeonholed into guarding the one, which which is fine. But depending on the lineups that he might be playing, and if he has some larger wings and and that that surefire rim protector behind him you might be able to do some things defensively to hide him a little bit. And if he's that good on offense in terms of setting other guys up, if his catch and shoot shot is as good as it certainly proved to be in college, then then I think there's a home for him potentially in a starting lineup in, in the right situation. So again, if I take that outlook, that certainly moves him up. That wouldn't move him up on my board. Um, I, I just don't think that he has he's going to end up having enough ability to be a full-time starter, but I'm not ruling it out, which is why I still think 21 might be good value for him. So moving past Flynn, um, at 22, I have Isaiah Stewart. Now, these next two guys, both Stewart and, and Desmond Bain, who you and I have talked about, Stone, we're, we're excited to get into Bain a little bit. Um, I absolutely think they could be higher on boards and could be taken higher. And, and I wouldn't have a problem with it whatsoever because of the types of roles that they would play in the league, uh, the approach they have, they have shown they play with, and what we know their floors are, even if they don't get any better, which they likely will, um, being drafted a little lower and, and go in a better developmental program. So let's start with Stewart here. First of all, he, he's a brick house who's built to play the center spot for an NBA team tomorrow, a 6'9", 250. No one wants to run into him down low or, or bounce off of one of his screens. Uh, the main thing that concerns me doesn't necessarily do have to have to do with the skill set, but more along the lines of how he was used at Washington and what he ran uh, down the court to do, which was post up a lot, which if we're going to be honest, Unless you're a special talent down low and have the requisite size and footwork to do so, it's an offensive play type that, that's dying in the NBA. It's effective in spots, especially if there's a mismatch. Nikola Jokic is, is proving that right now um, for the Denver Nuggets in, in terms of recency bias. So it's, it's not like I wouldn't want Stewart to, to not post anyone up, but it's not something I want him to have in his bag as a go-to approach offensively. I don't think he'll have an easy time operating out of the post in that regard because he's not a great passer out of double teams. He doesn't have the same level of footwork as someone even like Onyeko Kongwu um, in the same class here. And not having either of those things hurts him, especially when he doesn't have elite height for that position either. And, and people forget 
how quick and fluid Bam is. Even somebody like Bam Adebayo, when he posts somebody up, he's not clunky moving his feet. When he has someone back down, he he's sort of graceful, right? So I don't see that same level of grace from Stewart. I, I see a truck trying to bull anyone over who stands in his way. Uh, now, that being said, if he changes his role and approach in the NBA, I mean, we could be talking about a scary good big in terms of producing in his role at an efficient rate, right? Incredibly underrated screen setter and role man because of the threat of his jump shot. The percentages weren't the highest from distance in college, but his mechanics certainly passed my eye test for a big. And if that jumper becomes more of a weapon for him in the league, it frees up everything for him offensively. I think he has enough burst to attack a closeout and make defenses pay for trying to come out to him in that regard uh, versus build a wall against him. So short rolls, spot ups, strong rolls, mix in the post up offense. There are ways to diversify his offensive attack and make him a more dangerous weapon in the NBA. But having a crater to building a set or two for him that differentiates from from what he's been so used to doing his whole career, that adjustment knocks him down some on my board. So um, where he doesn't have to adjust is on defense, where he's obviously a shot-blocking menace, excellent playmaker in the lane, doesn't let guys body him up and shoulder him over in the post, nimble enough in pick-and-roll switches to not get blasted by perimeter scores. And like we mentioned on the screens, no one wants to crash into him down low because he, he certainly is a brick house. So um, when you look at Stewart's strength stone and his weaknesses, how do you see his game translating into the NBA? And, and, and do you think his game can ultimately be diverse enough to be a starter in the league? Or do you see his future as being more off the bench? Uh, so I think with Stewart, this is probably where we're going to disagree the most out of anybody. Um, and probably where I disagree the most with the majority of people who um, are big fans of the draft. Uh, I'm extremely low on Isaiah Stewart, uh, and for some of the reasons you listed, just that he's the the archetype that he is. He he just plays like an old school center, um, which is which is fun, you know. But how effective is that really in the NBA? Uh, I have my concerns with um, the height, as you mentioned. He's obviously uh, an amazing specimen physically. But um, the footwork, the height, the passing, um, the majority of his offense is generated in the low post. And I, the numbers, as you said, uh, really um, hamper my uh, optimism, I think, in terms of uh, my outlook on his shooting. I think that uh, a guy who's just so... Um, pigeonholed, I guess you can say, uh, in the low post, is really hard to um, see de developing into anything more than more than that offensively. And I think that the value for those kind of guys is just really, really low. And, uh, and that's, he has that, that Stephen Adams sort of strength and height. Um, the finishing, I do have a little bit of concern on. Uh, he shows some touch, so... I think he can be effective as a rim runner, possibly. Um, and early on in his career, I have no doubt that that's probably where he'll start off as. Um, but I do have a lot of concerns regarding Isaiah Stewart moving forward. Certainly. And and, and you, you bring up a point about starting his career. He's absolutely going to serve as a rim runner. Um, and, and that is an, an extreme positive to him is that he's a very high character, high motor kind of big to the point where, I mean, you you see him changing ends on the court man he runs like he's running for his life down the court especially in transition offense so he's going to get a lot of easy buckets that way um he, he's a dominant force rolling to the basket so 
I see him able to score in different ways. Your point about his height, as I kind of mentioned as well, that does concern me when he's trying to back somebody down that just has pure size and length over him. I mean, some of those some of those moves that he was able to pull off in college, turn over, uh, turn over his shoulder, looking for some of those easy hook shots. I mean, he's not going to get those same quality of looks as he did in, in high school and college. So that's absolutely a concern. But I, I guess my whole point in, in wanting to draft him here and take him at this point and having him graded where I have him is that belief that his jump shot is going to be a weapon down the road. I mean, he shot 77% from the free throw line in college. I, I know numbers and, and stats aren't the main selling point to me in terms of scouting a guy, but free throw percentage has been a good indicator in, in many different situations in terms of projecting a guy's shot um, out to the three-point line. And like I said, his mechanics look fluid. I think he's going to be involved in some pick-and-pop situations early inside the arc to kind of get him comfortable just shooting jumpers in general in the NBA. And as his range extends out, if it does, he's going to prove to be a very viable option for for somebody either in a higher usage bench role or potentially as a starter down the line. I think, again, he's going to have to go to the right team to develop some of those skills of his and, and certainly make an adjustment as far as switching what his role was so often in high school and in Washington. And I don't necessarily see him as somebody that that can't change his role. I think he's a willing player. He's absolutely um, willing to go in and make some necessary changes to his game. It's just going to gonna take someone to recognize, hey, maybe I can use him in these different situations and he can be as effective as I ultimately see him being. So th- that to me is is the question mark, the biggest question mark with Isaiah Stewart. And it's absolutely fine to be concerned about his outlook as a starter because of the things that you talked about. Um, but I, I, I think that he's going to have a role just being able to, to hang his hat on some of those other things to give him minutes, and then he'll build out his game from there. So um, as promised, we're going to move into Desmond Bain. Now, I didn't watch a lot of him during the season, but being able to do film work in the extended offseason here, man, has he impressed me as a prospect. 6'6", 215. Uh, another chiseled guy we get to talk about today. He's built physically to play in the NBA. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. Uh, his size, length, and strength at the wing spot is something that an NBA club will deeply appreciate when trying to match up and go big or small in different lineups. Uh, the thing about Bain, he's not a high-level creator with the basketball off the dribble. He's not someone you're going to hand the ball to and ask him to nail a crazy shot off the bounce or, or find someone with a cross-court pass in the corner. His playmaking isn't his selling point, but it doesn't have to be. Just because his creation ability isn't his strong suit doesn't mean he isn't a high IQ player and can't find someone with a timely pass. I mean, you put him in position to make quick decisions, be it passing or shooting, and he he could succeed at a high level on offense. In terms of catch-and-shoot threes last year in college, I mean, few players were better, and you're telling me someone doesn't want to draft a 44% three-point shooter and bring him in regardless of level? I mean, he's certainly capable of attacking closeouts, absorbing contact around the basket given his stature. He's a willing cutter and mover without the ball underrated rebounder for his position and overall an an effort and on-court leader at his position. So ideally he's a three, but depending on who he's playing next to, he can slide down to the two or even has the size to hold his own as a four and more extreme small ball lineups. Um, Defensively, he's incredibly effective at the point of attack in college, and that's not going to change in the NBA on perimeter matchups. He's quick. He's tough uh, to certainly get around and, and he knows how to contain someone in front of him, and potentially make a play. So Stone, when you look at what the NBA wants from wings nowadays, in terms of role, 
How do you think Bain fits in the league today? And what do you feel is the greatest strength that he brings to the table and contribute to a team from day one? Yeah, so I think you mentioned it with the three-point shooting. He's uh, just elite in terms of this class uh, with with the shooting. People always want to mention Aaron Neesmith, and deservedly so, but I think Bain definitely belongs in that sort of territory in terms of a shooter. Um, 44%, like you said, from three. And uh, he can shoot really um, from in any way, uh, off the dribble, in transition, spot up, catch and shoot, uh, really any sort of um, shooting position, he can uh, stroke it and knock it down. So I think um, he's he's a guy that's really just solid at everything, um, offensively and defensively. Uh, he's a guy who I think I've moved all the way up into the late lottery range on my big board. Um, just because he provides everything you can really want um, in terms of a role player. Uh, I think his his role in the NBA, uh, at least to begin his career, will be as probably a 3 and D guy on the wing. Um, but I think that can ultimately evolve into really whatever the team needs from him. Uh, his creation isn't um, probably his strongest suit at the moment, but I think he has shown enough flashes uh, to where you're able to buy him as a secondary playmaker um, for for decent stretches. Um, I think defensively, he's, as you mentioned, a very strong guy. Um, and I think that that bodes well for him going forward um, as a small ball uh, three or possibly four defensively. Um, I think that he has enough versatility to potentially guard uh, one through four. And I think offensively, he really provides whatever the team needs from him on a night-to-night basis. So there's a, a lot to like about Bain. Uh, and I think that he's going to slip far into the draft. And I think that teams are going to get a real steal out of him. Yeah, and, and, and you mentioned, you just mentioned having him on your board, potentially in that late lottery conversation. I've, I've heard this name as a comparison floated around a little bit in some draft circles and i'm curious to to get your opinion someone who has him higher than i do on their board on this name malcolm brogdon do you see any comparisons to brogdon in in desmond's game from your evaluation um i'm not a huge fan of comparisons but i can see some similarities i think brogdon is probably a bit better of a creator um and i think desmond is uh the shooting is probably pretty pretty similar in terms of uh, the ways they can shoot in the NBA. Uh, defensively, Bain probably provides a little bit more um, just because of his strength. Uh, he can probably guard uh, a little bit stronger and taller guys. Um, but I, I definitely can see some simulators. Uh, so it's not too bad of a comp. Yeah, it, it, it's not the worst comp in my mind. I think where, where they're obviously going to compare to the most and stand out is the fact that they were both seniors coming out of college. They're mature guards. They, they obviously have their shooting ability to hang their hats on, but just that mature approach to being able to come into a locker room, understand that, Hey, I might not be a star here. I might not be asked to play a lot of minutes, but I'm going to come in, I'm going to do my job and I'm going to contribute however way, whatever way I can um, to help this team win at a high level. I think that that approach um, and then what he can bring, just a mix of what he can bring on both ends. I think that really speaks to a comparison to Brogdon. And, and while I agree that Brogdon is probably a better overall playmaker, I think I trust him with the ball in his hands for longer stretches of time more than I would Bain. Just that sharp, quick decision-making that both are capable of at times 
moving and flowing within an offense. Again, that probably speaks to the fact that he was able to absorb a lot from from the nuances of the game in college, and he has that experience that he's going to come into the NBA. He's not going to be rattled by different pressure situations. So I, I certainly trust Bain with, with enough of a role, and I, I think he really can be a, a good value pick and potentially a steal in this draft class. So I, I'm not quite as high as you on my board, but I think you and I both agree in terms of just being positive about his outlook overall as an NBA prospect. Certainly somebody that's that's deserving of more attention than he's gotten of late. Yeah. So, for sure. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, you're all good, man. If you have if you have another point, please interrupt me, my friend. Oh, I just wanted to mention like uh, early on in his career, uh, I don't think it would be too much of a surprise to like see some sort of playoff team give him big minutes early on, uh, sort of like a Terrence Davis type guy that uh, just plays really meaningful minutes early on in his career and um, is you know a valuable contributor for that team uh, even in his as early as his rookie year. So I think that um, he's just someone every team's going to want to have. Absolutely, and 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 kind of moving on from Bain. He, here's where we get to a younger prospect who some might view him in the same lights in, in terms of their shooting ability and what they might bring to a table from day one. Um, Jemias Ramsey's an interesting prospect to evaluate. Now, I personally have him lower on my board because while I buy the jump shot, I personally think it's one of his only real selling points and I don't see his offensive attack being diverse enough to earn him a bigger role in the league. Now, can he shoot it from from all over outside the arc and, and rack up the points and bunches at times? He, he certainly did in college, but he also had plenty of inefficient shooting nights where he didn't contribute enough to the rest of the game to really help his team win at a high level. Now, if you're an NBA team who has the development program in place to further his understanding of, of, of how to be more effective off the ball, then Ramsey could be a great pickup because there really isn't a question of if he can come into the NBA today and knock down open or semi-contested looks from deep, right? I mean, percentages show he had the range in college, and in my mind, it's going to translate to the NBA as well. But if you take a look at the numbers inside the arc on dribble pull-ups, those are not nearly as pretty. I'm seeing plenty of spots, um, just looking at a synergy shooting chart, 26%, 25% from the elbows. Uh, 33% along the baseline inside the arc. Th those are not great pull-up numbers. And does he look comfortable taking those shots? To a certain extent, yes. And it's not as though he, he isn't shifty navigating a defense and getting the spots um, that he likes to, to take those open looks. But we can't look at Ramsey and say he has that in his bag just yet. Um, his highest volume of shots came from beyond the arc, and that's how he'll be used in the league, at least early on as well. Um, one of my old mentors had a great saying when he talked about athletes who could be given the choice to be shot creators or shooters. Generally, they navigate towards being more of a shooter than operating in the mid-range or around the basket, right? That, that level of offense comes natural and sometimes can't always be taught. Um, defensively, he's a pesky guard and certainly gets after individual matchups. But as I've talked about for a number of other prospects in the class, his off-ball D is pretty weak and I don't think he has the strength quite yet to consistently fight through screens and, and stay with a more natural offensive matchup. Um, so Stone, plenty of questions here for Ramsey. What do you think his ceiling is? And do you think he's going to end up being more than just an off-ball shooter in the NBA? Or are you about as low on him as I am? Oh, boy. Uh, trying to figure out Ramsey's ceiling is really difficult. Um, <laughs> 
He's a guy that's been uh, up, down, sideways on my board. I don't know really where to put him. Um, he, he's kind of, <clears throat> he's a wild prospect uh, just because he's built um, pretty stocky like Bane. Um, and he's, you would think he um, is more of a, a attacker than he actually is. He loves to, mm-hmm. I think, settle a lot of times for, for pull-up shots. I think um, IQ is probably his biggest downfall at the moment. And I think um, that's what's going to hold him back in the draft. Uh, and I think that um, the the shooting, there's a lot to like about it, but there's also um, just as many questions. Um, he likes to, he tends, he tends to settle, like I said, a lot of times with shots. Um, there can be, you know, another guy cutting and he'd rather just take a pull-up 20-footer and think that's a good shot when it's not and probably uh, missed it by the numbers right so yeah yeah uh, unless it's the three-pointer uh and so yeah he's he's kind of a wild prospect to evaluate uh i struggle really to see what his role is in terms of like actually pinpointing um because he does he does do a lot of things well um i think he can act as a secondary playmaker for a good amount of stretches um but in other terms it's like do you really want Ramsey as your ball handler because uh he does play kind of out of control at times um so I think there's there's a lot of raw aspects to like about his game but you're going to want him I think in more of a veteran heavy or um really strong developmental team fit Uh, so I think his success is very reliant upon what team uh, actually drafts him settles a great word that I wish that I would have used already before you even mentioned it um, in, in terms of his pull-up scoring, because that, that is a problem with, with a lot of young guys nowadays coming into the league. They, they won't try and get to the basket. You, you hear so many different scouts and, and, and talent evaluators talk about how a lot of these young guys need to learn or, and be more comfortable with, with cutting to the basket and getting into the teeth of the defense to just get to the free throw line and be able to, to set yourself up for, for easy looks and easy points from there. Now, maybe part of that hesitancy does come from the fact that he's not a good free throw shooter. 64% um, in, in college is a free throw shooter. So may, maybe that's some of the mental blockade, why he doesn't try to go to the basket more, why he ultimately settles from staying behind the three point line and, and, and bombing shots from there. I, I don't, necessarily see anything wrong with his pull-up mechanics from an upper body standpoint i i know his his lower body he looks a little shaky when he's trying to gather himself and get elevation for some of those pull-up shots and and i'm not quite sure if somebody's going to take the time to really look at the base of his pull-up shot and say oh we can fix this we're going to do this we're going to put you in this different role to succeed and make you more of a weapon on those looks, or if they're just going to say, well, you know what, he's he's so comfortable shooting from outside the arc, that's at such a premium in the league today, why would we necessarily try to change that part of his game? Let's just use him where he's more comfortable, and, and we'll see how efficient of a score he can truly be from outside the arc. So I, I think when, when you look at that from a development standpoint, that's really going to be where his future lies is a team seeing value and actually trying to use him as more of a scorer versus just a shooter, but I, I think you and I both share some of the same sentiment that we don't necessarily see him developing those other parts of his game. And, and you brought up his IQ. 
that absolutely plays a part into it as well. Just not being comfortable with the speed of the game. I mean, it's only going to get faster in the NBA. So if he doesn't see some of those lanes and some of those opportunities to drive and get a better look at the basket versus uh, just camp outside the three-point line now, is he going to see some of those things at the next level? So I actually think you brought up a few great points there about Ramsey that I agree with. So um, finally for today, we, we have Nico Mannion, who has taken a sharp fall on my board when, when you compare his stock to preseason projections in the top 10. Um, his scouting report now pegs him as a different player than what he was billed to be coming into college. Uh, obviously, his accolades before he even set foot on the Arizona campus are well known, playing in FIBA and international events at a young age, representing Italy, making a, a name for himself in high school that landed him in the McDonald's game. His resume up to that point um, was certainly impressive. But college was where we finally got to see Mannion go up against higher level athletes, consistently bigger and stronger than him. And the flaws really started to reveal themselves. Uh, put simply, he, he may not have the physical makeup to withstand an 82 game schedule against grown men. I mean, we saw him struggle with some in injury concerns. His finishing at the basket was poor to say the least. And, and at times he couldn't create his own shot effectively and was forced to pass out um, into some careless turnovers, some careless looking turnovers anyways. Um, a lot of that comes from his underdeveloped body as well as his comfort level, not being able to operate as he did on the court previously at lower levels. Um, he's used to being a step quicker than his competition, giving him some separation off of a quick move, um, a first step, and letting him get some dribbles inside the arc to pick apart the defense. His IQ is not the issue with his game. He's as natural of a passer as almost anyone in this class, and he certainly has that great feel when he's given room to operate. Now, I've seen him make a variety of impressive passes that wow me more than more of the poorly timed turnovers that I referenced earlier. Um, and with his out outside shot being a weapon as well, especially coming off of a screen and in dribble handoff situations, I mean, he can bomb it, man. And, and I'm comfortable his shot ultimately translates despite only shooting that 33% um, from three-point range in college. Um, I think he'll get himself better looks in the pros from there than he did in college leading to his shooting a higher percentage but those other concerns remain and and we can talk about his playmaking stone but if he can't get to his spots to take advantage of his iq then where does he land for you in your own rankings and and do you think that Manny can find enough ways to overcome some of those physical deficiencies and am i wrong about any of the evaluation here no i don't think uh you're really wrong in any way um not to, I don't want this to come across like I'm tooting my own horn, but I actually never was really, really uh, big into Mannion. Okay. I didn't see a lot of the intrigue. Um, I just, especially once you got to college, it's really difficult to, it's probably overly simplistic way of looking at it, but uh, it's really hard to buy stock into a guy that um, struggles to create so mightily at times when his game is so heavily reliant on creation ability. Um, so what I mean by that is like, if he's if he's built to be your point guard, um, and a lot of teams in the beginning of the season were looking at him as a sort of you know a lead a lead guard, primary ball handler, and he can't really create for himself, then I think you're gonna there's gonna be a lot of problems that come along with that. Um, as he said, his passing ability is probably uh, borderline top five in this class. Um, he just got a natural feel. Uh, for where other guys are positioned on the court, um, really good instincts as far as that goes. But um, if he can't, if he can't create for himself, and especially as he said, finishing is like one of the worst finishers in college basketball. 
um, it's going to be really difficult, I think, for him to transition in the, into the NBA. Um, and there's going to be a lot of adjustments that are going to have to be made to his game that I'm not sure uh, he's capable of, of making. Uh, so for me, I have him in the low 40s on my big board, which is probably even lower okay. than most people. Uh, but I think that, um, yeah, there's a lot, lot of intriguing things about Mannion, and he's still extremely young. It's only his freshman year. I believe he's only 19 still. Um, but, but there's also a lot of questions surrounding him. And in such a point guard heavy draft, there's a lot of other point guards I would rather take a shot on before I look at Mannion. I was going to ask you where you had him, and I'm glad that you, that you touched on kind of where he's he's ranked in your board. I mean, one one positive area that, that I can take away from some of the negatives we talked about is that his free throw numbers, I mean, he's an 80% shooter from the foul line, and that probably isn't going to change in the pros. So if, if he can figure out when he's crashing into a defender towards the rim how to draw contact better, versus kind of just throwing himself up there and, and, and seeing where the shot falls, if it's going to fall, right? I mean, you, you've seen craftier guards in the NBA figure out, well, I'm not necessarily stronger than the guy I'm going up against. Maybe if I can tort my body this way or, or move my body that way in the air, that I can at least get the ref to call the foul so that I can get to the line and convert. And that's something that he didn't really figure out at all in college, which led to some of those poor shooting numbers from inside the arc. Um, but if he can figure that out in the pros, that that is one bright spot to to his game. But I, I'm assuming from your evaluation, Stone, you you don't really see uh, any circumstance in which he becomes a starter in the NBA. You do see him as a full time backup. Yeah, uh, yeah, I definitely see him as a backup. And I think you brought up a great point, saying uh, touching on his craftiness. That's probably what his game is is most reliant on. That's probably the best term to use for it. And I think um, when teams limit that craftiness, there's just a lot that he's going to struggle with. Um, and I think the shooting will always be there, like he said. As When he gets to the league, I have no doubt that um, that will continue on. It's just a matter of whether he can create the own looks for himself or whether uh, he's going to be more of an off-guard kind of guy. I agree. I, I agree completely with that sentiment. Well, that's going to wrap up this week's show. Uh, we're we're going to save some more playoff talk for, for a full show next week, hopefully wrapping up uh, the conference finals and, and getting ready for the NBA finals. So, Stone, it was a pleasure having you on. Uh, where can the audience find you on social media? How can they find some of your work? Uh, so everything I do is going to be posted on my Twitter at report underscore court. Um, everything, all the uh, draft site updates, all of our mock drafts, um, I'll be putting up some scouting reports coming up pretty soon on there. So feel free to check that out. I really appreciate you guys having me on. It was a blast being on here. No, absolutely. And and hopefully we, we can find some, some more talking points in the future um, for the audience. Be sure to describe to us, subscribe to us, wherever you get your podcasts, subscribe on YouTube and be prepared still for more content coming down the pipeline. I keep saying that this is only the beginning, but the, the website's being built. We're going to have some full reports on there, some full profiles, more rankings for you. So stay tuned for, for all of that news on our social media channels. Um, as always, thank you everyone for listening. I hope you all have a wonderful week.